right, good morning. Grab your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 18. We're going to look at one verse, verse 21. We're actually going to look at a lot of verses this morning, but this will be our foundational verse. Proverbs 18, 21. If you don't have a Bible, there are some down the center aisle of seats. You can ask the person on the end to grab that and give it to you. Would love for you to keep that Bible if you don't have one of your own. Just take it with you as you leave today. Proverbs 18, 21. We're going to read these words out loud together. Y'all ready? Here we go. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for the gathering of your church. Um, Lord, I'm reminded that, um, that you're always building your church. I thank you for... Uh, that your church is not a building. In fact, we're right here meeting in a school, and there are many churches like us meeting in schools and warehouses, some meeting in homes, some meeting in grandiose buildings today. Lord, we praise you for uh, Kenji Adachi and his family and All People's Church that launches today in Fairfax, Virginia. Lord, we, uh, we cheer them on uh, because we're just three years ahead of them. More importantly, Lord God, we, we cheer you. We applaud that you are a God that is always moving upon your people to advance your kingdom um, through your people. So, God, we're part to be a part of the process, and we're part to, we're glad to be supporting Kenji and all the things that they're doing. Lord, today we turn our eyes to uh, the wisdom of the book of Proverbs, and especially to uh, the wisdom of our words. And we pray that you would open our eyes and ears to what you would have us to say, to, to say in here. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let me have you finish this sentence for me. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but... All right, so you got it right. Y'all know it. Uh, we, we're, learnt, we're, we're taught this growing up. I have no idea of who came up with this, but they lied, right? I mean, it's, it's just an outright lie. I mean, the, the truth is, sticks and stones... I mean, they hurt. I mean, they can hurt bad, but words can break our hearts. I mean, words are probably some of the most painful things that can be um, thrown at us of all the things that can be that can come our way. The Bible tells us the same thing. The Bible tells us that our words are both powerful and they hurt. And so here's my main idea. If you get nothing out of anything that I say for the next 30 minutes or so, uh, it's this. Our words matter. Say that with me. Our words matter. So if you're with us for the first time, we are in a series that we started in the uh, early summer, and it's going to extend a little bit into our our fall season um, called Get Wisdom. And our goal really is to to extract the wisdom that the Bible gives us specifically from the book of Proverbs. Uh, We can't review all that we've covered. This is actually our 11th week, and so I would invite you to go to our website and check out what we've already covered. But uh, a proverb is... Very simply, a short, pithy saying. It's, it's shrunken down truth. It's truth that's meant to be memorized so that when you are in a situation of life that you need a little wisdom, you can recall perhaps what you've uh, remembered or, or memorized and, and call it back up as the wisdom in the situation that you're in. And uh, this book was written by Solomon, who as a young man was uh, crowned king of all of Israel And one day as he was worshiping the Lord, uh, God came to him in a dream and basically said to him, Solomon, you can have anything that you want. 
and Solomon, instead of asking for riches or fame or success in life or even uh, freedom from all of his enemies, he asked for wisdom that he might be able to lead and reign uh, as king over uh, that kingdom well. And God gave him that. God gave him great wisdom such that he was, the Bible tells us, able to write over 3,000 Proverbs and that many songs as well. And we are the, the benefactors of some of the wisdom that, that God gave Solomon. Um, and so today we seek uh, to gain wisdom in regards to our words. Wisdom in regards to our words. Uh, if you think about it, um, the words that we say, really the, the very ability that we have to speak is, uh, is a phenomenon. And the, the, the fact that you can talk and speak and form words that are intelligible should, it should clue some of us in that, that there's a God behind it, that we didn't just happen upon this just because, you know, something banged into each other and it spat out human beings. Mankind is a speaking creature. And our language is a phenomenon because there's a phenomenal God behind it. God made us to speak, and our words have the potential to, to create something. Our words really are action in and of, in of themselves. Think about the things that we do with our words. We warn, we promise, we commission, we ordain, we, we emote, at least some of us emote. Our words aren't, they don't just convey action, our words our action. By our words, we can do all kinds of things. Uh, and really, we, we can only do this because God himself uh, has done it and does it. We can create realities that don't exist prior to us speaking that. And that really is what the Bible tells us that God himself does. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, after God created the heavens and the earth, the spirit hovered over the waters. And then we find this verse in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, and God said, and of course, the words that, that come after that, the thing that he said, let there be light, and creation responded to what God said, are important. But the thing that we're focusing on here is that our God is a communicating God. He says something. God uses words. And here's, the, here's what I think is important for us. We are made in God's image, and because we're made in his image, one of the attributes that we share with God is this ability to communicate. More than just communicate, he gives us the, um, the faculty of language, the ability to speak, and our words mean something. Our words matter. In Genesis 2, um, Adam was, was given dominion over the earth. And one of the ways that Adam was to express that dominion was to speak God's words to his wife, Eve, and to also speak God's words to all of creation. One of the things that God did in the beginning of creation, he paraded all the animals across uh, Adam and allowed Adam to name them. So Adam used words to name the animals. He called the elephant the elephant. He called a giraffe giraffe. He called a mosquito a mosquito. He, I mean, I wanted to say something else about the mosquito. <laughs> And so creation shows how language, our words, picture who we are as human beings set aside from animals. If we talk to scientists and biologists, they would tell us that our DNA is very similar to apes and orangutans. But guess what? Monkeys don't talk. I mean, I mean they're intelligent. I mean, don't you love those movies that show how intelligent um, monkeys are? I mean, they can communicate, but they don't talk. They don't use words. Even parrots. Parrots aren't talking. They just, they're just like... 
They're using sounds to mimic what you're, what you're saying. We have language, and that makes us special. Not special in that we got puffed up because of that. Oh, it's, it's special because God, we're imaging God. And that brings us to Proverbs. Proverbs has much to say about our words. Um, Proverbs has much to say not just about our words. Proverbs has much to say about communication in general, speech and the language faculty, because it's like one of the mega themes in all of of Proverbs. There are at least 90 Proverbs that communicate, that counsel us on on how we are to speak. Of course, we don't have time to to cover 90 different verses in regards to how we're to speak. So I'm going to boil this down to three important things that we're going to extract from, from Proverbs today. The first is the ethics of our words, that our words have a character to them, at least they're supposed to. Uh, Proverbs encourages us to learn how to speak. And then thirdly, we're going to look at what our words reveal. Okay, so that's where we're going today. Uh, Let's go back to Proverbs 18.21, the ethics of our words. Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. This is a figure of speech called a merism, and basically it's showing two extremes, and those two extremes are are life and death. And so what what Solomon is saying and what the the wisdom of Proverbs is saying is is that our words have the power to give and to preserve life and well-being of of people. But there's another side. At the the other extreme, our words have the the potential, the, the grave potential, of bringing something, someone to destruction and death. And this is not just the person on the receiving end, it's also for us too. So as we speak words that, that, that are evil and that lend to death, it's, it's destroying us as well. What the writer is trying to communicate is that, uh, is firstly, is life is not a trivial matter. I mean, life matters obviously because only God can give life. And so if we only use our words trivially, then we're going to fall prey to um, we're going to fail to apprehend the significance of life. Only God can give life. Life is important. It's not trivial. If we fail to uh, give words the importance that they have, then we basically have negated the importance of the, the very life God has given us. At the same time, this is part B of this proverb. Those who cherish wise words, fine speech, they hold it in respect and they enjoy its fruit. What's the fruit of, of, of wise words? It's, it's a good life. It's relationship. And that really is where this, this, uh, this proverb is pointing. Think about um, the relationships that you are in, your own family, the friends that you have, your extended, uh, extended friends, perhaps, and, and co-workers from work. The very thing that creates relationship, that creates people in community, are the words that we say. If you, if you think about it as well, um, God made us to, to be gregarious people. He made us to live in community. Two weeks ago, we, we took a pause from Proverbs, and as we were beginning our community group cycle, we uh, talked uh, from John, uh, 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 the Gospel of John about how and why God has made us to be people who live in community. And so our words, wise words, are what creates relationships with most of the people that you are friendship with or, or that you're related with. The opposite is also true. Foolish words destroy our relationships. Cross over to the New Testament. The book of James speaks of the power of speech and of the tongue. I mean, James lays some words out. I mean, he says some, uh, 
James is a, is a wisdom book as well, but James just lays it out. I mean, he didn't hold back. He, he's comparing our tongues, the way we speak and the words that we say to a fire that can set the whole course of one's life on fire. James 3, chapter 6. Um, this is, uh, here's an explanation of this. I read an article, a news article that talked about this 46-year-old woman in South Dakota. She was walking along, uh, along a street that was on the other side, uh, a wooded area. And guess what she did? She was smoking a cigarette, and uh, I'm not picking on smokers, all right? So I have smokers in my family. Um, so y'all, if you smoke, I'm not picking on you. But, all right, here you go. So, you know, smokers, y'all, you just like flick your cigarette out, the, out your car window, and it's like landing on the ground. She thumped her cigarette out into a, a nearby wooded line. Guess what happened? Uh, the, the cigarette had burned down to the filter, but it was still it was still an ember left, and it caught on fire. The wood line caught on fire. That fire burned two whole weeks. It burned down 86,000 acres of forest from a little ember. That's what James is saying our tongue, our, our words have the potential of doing. That little cigarette started a fire that burned down thousands of acres. And this is what your tongue can do. Rumors, half-truths, have have grumbling, sarcastic remarks, hurtful things said in the heat of anger, and the G word. You know what the G word is? Gossip. That's what James is saying um, are the effect oftentimes of the, the ill words that come out of our mouth. We have the power of life and death uh, with our words. And here's what James is saying. All of these I mean, our words are like the, the same ember that's on the end of that cigarette, and it has the potential for bringing down not just an acre, you know, acres of a forest, but uh, it can destroy the morale of, of all those that you work with. It can destroy the relationships with whom you are in and your family. It can destroy the unity of a church. Here's what I think. Um, if someone, If we were to hear... If we were to hear about someone that, um, that fell into adultery and their marriage was affected, um, then there's chance that we get out and a lot, you know a few people would hear about it in a church. I mean that happens, uh, but that's not going to split a church, is it? I mean somebody having adultery. I mean oftentimes I've seen it where even the pastor, God forbid, uh, got us got us in trouble and it did not split the church. Why? Because the church is not one person. The church is you know is is God's people coming together um, in His name. But here's what splits the church, the G word, gossip. I mean, it's, it's those things that we say that, have, that are truth, have truth, and it spreads like wildfire, and those things can bring down the unity of our church. And so the ethic of our words really is characterized in two ways, wisdom and folly. And, and that, that makes sense. That's the, major, that's the major mega theme in Proverbs. It's juxtaposing um, wisdom versus folly, the the, a wise life versus a foolish life and what it looks like. And that really is, that can be said about our words as well. I'm going to show you a slide. It's got a lot of words on it. We're going to start with foolishness, foolish speech, the character of foolish speech. I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk about all those. All right, we're going to pull out three. Um, but, but here is uh, a few of the, the ways that foolish speech can be characterized. It can be characterized as violent. Proverbs 10.6 basically says that the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Instead of bringing truth, 
um, it, it tends to hide it, hide the violence that's being done. Um, false, uh, false speech, obviously, would be telling lies when you have the opportunity to tell the truth. Perverted means that you are taking something and distorting it. I'm going to pull out the, the three that I didn't mention. Slanderous. Proverbs 10, 8, 10, 18. Go to the next slide, please. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. Okay, so what do you what do you do when you when you slander somebody? You're basically trying to destroy them. You're trying to defame them. You may not even be telling a lie about them, but I mean you're trying to make it such that the thing that you say about them is going to get them in trouble or make it so that their life is not the same after you said that. And so uh, foolish speech would be the speech coming out of a person of God that tries to hurt your neighbor. And that's important to call it your neighbor because who, I mean, who's, the Bible asks the question, who is your neighbor? Your neighbor is not just the person that lives in the house beside you. Your neighbor is uh, potentially anyone that you happen upon that you could um, that you could befriend, that you could know, that you could uh, introduce yourself to. And the Bible tells us to love God and to love your neighbor. And so why would you slander your neighbor whom God has already given you instruction to, to love? Deceit, uh, Proverbs 26, 23 through 26. So I'm, we're going to read all four of these verses here. Like the glaze covering an earthen vessel are fervent lips with an evil heart. I always I mean, it's fervent lips. I mean, what are fervent lips? That word means like burning, like burning hot. It's like having a great passion for something. Whoever hates disguises himself with his lips and harbors deceit in his heart. When he speaks graciously, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred be covered with deception, his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. And so foolish words that are clothed in deceit basically are, are, is telling us not all words are, are reflective of good hearts. We, cover, we, we might have some, some nice flowery words, but underneath that, I mean, we're, we're not saying what we really feel. And the Bible is telling us that when we do that, we are trying to and possibly deceiving. And that would be foolish speech. The last one I'll point out is flattery. Proverbs 29.5. A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. What do you do when you flatter? Um, you're puffing someone up with uh, trite platitudes or with words that seem overly, uh, overly nice or ambitious. Uh, but generally, when we're flattering someone, we're doing it for selfish reasons. Like, so I'm going like, to butter you up because I need something from you. And the Bible's encouraging us that speech like that is false, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's excessive, it's foolish, uh, particularly because it, uh, flattery is excessive and insincere praise, and you're basically um, furthering your own interests. What do all these lead to? What does foolish speech lead to? It leads to death. It leads to death. Proverbs 16:27. Did I put that on there? A worthless man plots evil, and his speech is like a scorching fire. And so it's, I mean, it's, it's basically saying uh, when you do all these kinds of, of ill-gotten speech, uh, basically furthering your own interests, it's as if you set a fire, almost like Proverbs 18.21. What's the other side of this? The other character is wise speech. Uh, we're not going to spend as much time on that. I'm only going to give you two. The first one is 
Why speech heals. Proverbs 31, 26. You've heard of the, the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31. Uh, we're going to talk about the very last proverb that we cover. It's going to be Proverbs 31. And I'm not going to spoil it now. But, okay, so in Proverbs, <laughs> wisdom is personified as a woman, right? And so when you get to Proverbs 31, we get to this, I mean, over-the-top, awesome, virtuous woman. And you know that person doesn't exist, right? Because there's no one that virtuous. And so what the, what the wisdom of Proverbs is, is getting us to is not just a woman who's virtuous, but here's what you should aspire to. Not just a woman, but all of us should aspire to wisdom that's this great. It's the personification of wisdom. But of course, obviously, we know that all women are like that, right? Yeah. So the virtuous woman, <laughs> she says... Uh, she opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. What this says is wise speech, you don't even open your mouth if you don't have anything wise to say. And that, that's, I mean, that would be like good advice for most of us. If you don't have anything wise to say, as your mom would say, zip it. She's like, just, just don't talk. The other part of that is, Teaching uh, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. It's basically saying that uh, the wise words are able to to heal. It, they're able to shape both what we say and how we say it. Here's a second one. Wise speech is gracious. Proverbs sixteen twenty four. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Um, the the emphasis here is on honey. Uh, I don't eat a lot of honey, but if you do, a lot of people use honey as a sugar substitute. Honey, obviously, is very sweet. And it's, it's natural. It's good to you. It's good for you. Um, in the ancient days, honey was the only sweetener they had. And so if they wanted something sweet other than just a fruit, they were going to use this. It was good for them and good to them. And so he, uh, Solomon here is comparing gracious, wise words to just the feel you get from just some nice, sweet honey. But here's what he's also saying. He's saying, this is how gracious, I mean, gracious words are. They, they aren't earned. And when you grant someone or you're on the receiving end of wise words, it's as if someone's blessed you by what they said. Their words blessed you. You were forgiven. You didn't earn it. They just gave it to you because it was in them, you know, by the grace of God to give it to you. All right. So the character of our speech, foolish or wise, our words matter. Words can lead to death, but they can also give us life. And so the next thing that uh, I think would be important for us to know from the Proverbs is how should we speak? And the Proverbs basically give us three ways. Proverbs tells us we should speak less, speak honestly, and speak fittingly. Speak less, speak honestly, and speak fittingly. And I mean, that sounds nice, right? It sounds pretty simple. But I think the, the more I explain it, you're going to find out, I'm, I mean, this is a little hard. Not only is it hard, we need God's help. So how should we speak? We need to learn how to speak less. I'm told that the average person speaks about 16,000 words a day. So that's average. So that means there's half of y'all that are speaking way more than that, because some of y'all can talk. And then there's another half that are speaking somewhat less than that. And then you know the, 
There's the average person is speaking right in the middle. Our 30th president, Calvin Coolidge, said, I have noticed that nothing I never said ever did me any harm. Those are good words. Nothing I never said ever did me any harm. If only our current presidential candidates would live life <laughs> by this way, then we wouldn't have this crazy news media cycle where, I mean, Hillary said this, Donald said this, you know, and I don't even know the other two, the, the, the independent candidates, the Green Party candidates. Proverbs says something similar to what Calvin Coolidge says. Proverbs 19.10, 10.19 actually. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Another proverb, Proverbs 17.28. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's deemed intelligent. Here's what I think Proverbs is telling us. Sometimes we just need to shut up. And that's not probably nice to say in a group of adults, not even kids. But sometimes I think we're supposed to not talk. I think that uh, wise living is if you don't have the right words, and in some situations, sometimes we're supposed to be more quiet than we are um, talkative. One of the best ways we can improve in how we use words is obviously to speak less. Words are so powerful that we need to guard how many words we actually use. But when we do speak, it's important that we speak honestly. Two more Proverbs. Proverbs 12, 19. Truthful lips. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Another proverb. Proverbs 24, 26. Whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. This is uh, some unique imagery that the that the Proverbs are giving us here. Uh, it's, it's even kind of sensual if you think about uh, the use of your lips. Your lips are one of the most sensitive parts of your body. The lips can be sensual. And think of just the feeling, the thoughts, the, the welcome that you, um, that you have when you're offered a kiss from someone that you actually like, that, that, love, you, know, that you love. Uh, and so here's what Proverbs is telling us. It's saying, telling the truth. Okay, we're talking about Honest, honest speech. Telling the truth is, is firstly right, but it's also beneficial. You get something from it. But it's also saying, almost like a kiss on the lips, it's, it's a kind act. One commentator says this. He writes, telling the truth is an act of love, even and especially if what you're going to say is hard. I mean, when you're, when you're telling someone the truth, but you're telling it in love and it's a hard saying, then you really are loving that person. What we say has to be for the other person's good, but our words should, must be honest, even when it's hard. And so our words, we should speak less, we should speak honestly, and thirdly, we should speak fittingly, okay? And I would tell you, at least for me, this is the hardest one. Because speaking fittingly means that you're going, to use, you're going to have the right words for the right situation. And, I mean, just even this past week, as I'm writing a sermon, God is, like, teaching me, like, I'm saying all the wrong things in the wrong, in the wrong time to my wife, to my kids, you know, to everybody I, that, I, that I come across. And it's probably his way of letting me know, you know, this, this stuff is hard. And if you don't have it in you in, at a heart level to do it right, then, then you need to be quiet. That's the wisdom that Proverbs would give us. It takes real wisdom to know what to say and when to say it. Two more Proverbs. Proverbs 15, 23. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season, how good it is. Proverbs 25, 11. 
A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and a setting of silver. I've tried to picture in my mind, like what, an, you know, how that could be appealing. But okay, it's, it's gold and silver, right? So apples made of gold and settings of silver, a costly ornament of some sort that I can't eat. Oh no! But okay, at least it looks. At least it costs a lot. Um, but what I think Proverbs is saying to us is that there's wisdom in an apt word. We don't use that word, even the word fittingly. It's not a part of our language, but it basically means appropriate. What would be the appropriate thing to say for a given circumstance or situation? I mean, do you have it in you to say the right thing when it's, when it's time to, to say that? More than that, it's, it's saying something that's going to help the situation get to whatever a desired end would be. You're not saying anything that's going to detract from getting us to the place where we're supposed to be. How many conversations have you been in where um, you haven't been listening enough that you could actually respond with the right word at the right time? I mean, that's, I mean, that's one of my, unfortunately, that's one of my, my issues. I'm like, you're talking, and I'm not thinking, well, how am I going to respond to what they're saying to me right now? And I'm not listening to you fully. But if we would just speak less, perhaps we could hear so that we could speak fittingly in response to what's been said. So I think what the, the writer of Proverbs is telling us, there's this beauty, there's a, this an artistry, perhaps there's even a skill, because wisdom is a skill, the skill of living life and knowing how to speak. And what he's telling us is that we really can't do it without God's help. We looked at this proverb last week. It's not going to be on your screen. Proverbs 16.1, the plans of the heart belong to man. But the answer of the tongue is from the Lord, which I said last week is, you know, God always gets a vote. But I think any times when it, it regards even our words, we, we can have a thought, a plan. We can conjure up a sentence in our head and intend to uh, deliver it from our mouth through our vocal cords. But uh, thankfully, we have a God that's sovereign enough and superintending over us that can sometimes curb that uh, before it comes out. So thirdly and finally, what our words reveal. Um, mostly what our, our words reveal, just think about all the words that you say on a typical basis. What you're doing when you are speaking those words is revealing the condition of your heart. That's what you're doing. This is what Jesus says. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person, Matthew 15, 18. And so... What you say on an ongoing basis is revealing the very things that are in your heart. Proverbs 22, 11 says practically the same thing. He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king as his friend. And so what Jesus, I'm going to compare the two of these, these two phrases. What Jesus is saying to us is what we need more than anything else is for our hearts really to be changed. He's saying you need a new heart. To have wise words, you can't start, you can't even express wise words without having a new heart. And what the proverb is saying is that a pure heart and words of grace go together. It will reconcile any relationship. It'll, it'll, it'll even make you friends with a king. And so, really, almost every word that you say is a reflection of your heart. And, and I... I, I'm not overstating it by saying every word. I think, in fact, probably most of the words that you don't intend to say, but that come out of your mouth uh, spiritually, um, all of a sudden, 
you know, I mean, when you stub your toe and that, that word comes out of your mouth or uh, your kid acts up and you, you respond, in, you know, in a fitting way, those things are in us. Otherwise, they would not come out. What you say is a reflection of your insides and your insides of your heart. And your heart in the Bible is not your emotions or how you feel. Your heart in the Bible is the, it's the center of, it's, it's the essence of who you are. Um, it's, the, it's the real you. Paul Tripp says it like this. He says, it's, your heart is the central causal core of your personhood. So you as a person and everything that comes out of your person is activated from your heart. Okay, not the, not the, the organ that's uh, pumping and uh, causing blood to flow throughout your, your what is it, my vascular system? Come on, doctors, help me out. Whatever it is, like in my body. All right, so it's the, th- it's, the, it's the invisible heart, the thing that God has given you that makes you who you are. Jesus says it like this. Luke 6, Luke 6.45, Jesus says, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. If you've got good in you, good is going to come out. If you've got evil in you, evil is going to come out. It's, it's life. When life presses us, the thing that's in us eventually is going to come out. And so this is what I think Jesus meant. A critical heart produces a critical tongue. A self-righteous heart produces judgmental words. A bitter heart produces a sharp mouth. An ungrateful heart produces a grumbling tongue. You, you, get, you get the pattern I'm talking about? In other words, the words you speak all depend on what's filling your heart. If your heart has negative, bad, not good, I don't know how to say it, evil things in it, then those things are going to come out because they fill your heart. But the opposite is also true. A loving heart produces a gracious tongue. A faithful heart produces truthful words. A peaceful heart produces a reconciling mouth. A trusting heart produces encouraging words. So again, the words you speak will all depend on what's filling your heart. And so obviously we need to ask ourselves, I mean, what's filling our hearts? And I would tell you that's exactly why Jesus came. Jesus came to give us new hearts. So uh, I was reading in Exodus this week, and that's, you know, so like, what were you doing reading Exodus? Um, I, I generally read through the Bible uh, one, at least once, uh, hopefully a couple times in a year. And so in January, I, I said, you know what? I want a lot of the Bible in a short amount of time. And so I started out on reading the Bible in 90 days. Okay, so all the Bible in 90 days. And when you do that, I mean, you're like, you're basically like sucking in the Bible. It's a lot of chapters. But I would tell you, if you've done that, I mean, you just, I mean, you really understand the storyline of the Bible because you're getting it so quickly. And you, it, you haven't had time to even forget the stories that you've already read. Um, all right, so I'm in Ezekiel on the 63rd day of my 90 days. It's, what it was, it's September, right? So, all right, so I had a bad winter, spring, and summer. So I'm just telling you that. So pastors have bad Bible reading years, too. All right, so... I'm in Ezekiel, but Ezekiel is blessing me probably for the first time in reading it because I'm understanding for the first time God's, God's just uncanny, crazy love 
for his people that really don't love him back. And that really is the story of Ezekiel. Ezekiel is a prophet of God. He's in exile. And so, and so he, you know, God uses him to prophesy that Israel's going to be taken by Babylon and, and, and sent into exile. Okay? And then he, he prophes- it, it happens. And you know, he talks about the 12th year there in exile. And he talks about the 25th year in exile. And you see this beautiful picture of, of God promising that he's going to do the very thing that he, that he said he's going to do. I'm going to punish you because of your iniquity. He does it. And then, chapters later, he issues these beautiful words. Ezekiel eleven nineteen, And I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put in them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them hearts of flesh. That's a beautiful passage. But what he's saying, I'm going to forgive all of your negativity. I'm going to forgive all of your iniquity. I'm going to forgive all the times where you said you were going to do one thing and you didn't do it. I'm going to forgive you for all the times that you didn't do what you didn't want to do. And I'm going to love you by giving you the very thing you need to love me back. I'm going to give you a new heart. Paul says the same thing in 2 Corinthians 5.17. You've heard this verse before. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's the story of the Bible. I mean, those two verses, if you just put them together, in a sense, that's the story of the Bible. And what's the, what's the story of the Bible tell us? That Jesus came to, firstly, to fulfill the promises of the Old Testament. Obviously, Jesus came more than just to do that. Jesus came to give us new hearts. Jesus came to save us. And in the process of saving us, he gives us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the impetus that creates a new heart. And honestly, your new heart is created instantaneously. At the moment of of you confessing Jesus as Lord, asking him to forgive you, he gives you a new heart. But guess what? It just takes a little bit of time called sanctification, it's called the, the rest of your life, for the Spirit of God to, to, to work on that new heart so, such that it, it embraces the very words that God would have you to, to live by. Peter says this of Jesus. He said, Jesus committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. First Peter chapter 2, verse 22. And really what Peter is reflecting on is that Jesus is the only person who ever lived who never misspoke. Jesus never said a bad word. He never said a wrong word. His words were, he, he spoke as, as he said in the Gospels. He said, I only say what the Father, what the Father says. I, I'm repeating the Father. And of course, he only did what God told him to do. Jesus spoke less. He only spoke when he needed to. He spoke honestly. Even when he was rebuking the Pharisees, he said the things that he was supposed to say in the right manner, and he spoke fittingly. He always had the right word to say. And here's the beautiful part about that. Jesus lives a perfect life, even his perfect words. He goes to a cross. He dies in our place for our sin, and he dies an innocent man for people like us who misspeak every day. Jesus, a man who never said anything wrong, who never misspoke, died for all of our misspoken words. And that really is the gospel. But it doesn't stop there. Jesus gives us his righteousness. It's called an imputed righteousness. It's not a righteousness that we own. Jesus makes it so that we are right with God 
just by believing in him, trusting that he has taken our place on the cross. And that's the moment that we get a new heart. And so, I mean, why do you need a new heart? If you're here and you've never received Jesus, you don't have a new heart. Your heart is pumping, but that's not the heart I'm talking about. The, the, the central causal core of your personhood is, is beating negative, and it's evil, and it's against God. And God wants to offer you a new heart that comes with faith in Jesus. Because without a new heart, you'll never have the wherewithal to say the right words. It'll never be in you to actually say the right words. And so my encouragement to all of us, we don't need new words. Most of us need clean hands and a clean heart. And you can only get that from Jesus. So I'll stop and I'll conclude with this. Proverbs reminds us that the, uh, of the power of our words. So what will come out of your mouth today? Death or life? Let's pray. Lord, your Bible encourages us, our Bible, your words, uh, encourage us to wisdom. And we want to be wise people. I, no one here, whether they believe in God or have received Jesus or not, wants to live life unwisely. And so we pray, firstly, um, that, that you would make us wise people. And the, the encouragement of scriptures is that wisdom happens in, in very specific ways. So, Lord, uh, make us to be people who value the words of Scripture. Lord, I pray that the people of the transit will be people who, who soak in your Bible, that, God, we cherish the words that are, that are coming out of your mouth to us as your heart for us to make us wise. And so, Lord, teach us to be wise by your word. God, I pray the words of the psalmist that you would set over our mouths a guard that you would keep watch over the door of our lips that we would not have foolish speech and foolish words but lord instead we would have wise speech and wise words but we're reminded that the world is full of death but we belong to jesus and jesus was full of life john john said he was the the word john called him truth and life Jesus has words that are eternal life. And we pray that you would just help us, encourage us to speak Jesus' words like him. We pray that in Jesus' name.